0: Welcome to the Chamber's Elevated Conversations podcast. And now, your host, Brian Otten.
1: Hi, this is Brian Otten, Marketing Director at the Greater Wassa Chamber of Commerce. I was behind the camera for this interview, which was performed earlier this month with a finalist for the uh, 2022 Athena Awards. Enjoy. Good morning. Uh, My name is Mindy Happy. I am the 2020 Athena Young Leadership Award recipient. I'm here with Jessica Sharpenberg. She is the 2022 uh, Young Athena nominee. So welcome. Thank you. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what your role
0: is? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Jessie Sharpenberg. I'm originally from Southern Wisconsin. I went to school at Edgewood College and got my nursing degree. Moved up to South Dakota, because nurses can go anywhere (laughs) that they want to go. And worked at a critical access hospital out there for uh, a few years. I always said I was going to work in the ER or in labor and delivery. I wanted that on-the-go constant. Uh, But when I got out there and I was working, what I noticed a lot was the health inequities that individuals were facing. So that's when I decided to change gears and go into public health. If you ask any of my colleagues from nursing school, I hated public health. I was never going to go into public health for the rest of my career as well. Um, So worked out there for a while in public health as a regional manager for the South Dakota Department of Health and then uh, had our second baby and Grammy and Papa's that are eight hours away is really difficult. So we started looking to move back to Wisconsin and it was at that time Family Planning Health Services was hiring for a CEO. So interviewed and received that position. I've been here for six and a half years now. In 2017 we rebranded to Health First to be more inclusive to the services that we offer and what we do for the individuals that come through our doors. We have nine locations for our reproductive health clinic. We added our most recent one in Marshfield just last year and then we do WIC which is the women infant and children program in four of our counties which are our northern ones. It was three until April we added another location in Taylor County so have continued to grow our footprint um, focusing on reproductive health sexual health and then maternal child health as well as the nutrition side of things to make sure our families can eat awesome
1: all good things
0: yeah it's really exciting you know I was never I was never into public health I was never into this realm, but once you start noticing how much prevention can actually make an impact on birth outcomes Specifically looking at Wisconsin, we have the one of the highest maternal mortality and morbidity rates in the United States. Trying to make those impacts ahead of time so that we prevent some of that is really one of our goals here at this organization.
1: Yeah, affects a lot of people. It does. Yeah, and I'm sure you made, made some really good connections with every person that comes you.
0: You know, we do. Um, One of the things that we've really prided ourselves on, and it's a change of way for reproductive health. A lot of reproductive health clinics, let's get them in and get them out for their STI testing or birth control method, that type of a thing. 95% of the clients that walk through our door don't have a medical home. They don't have a primary care provider. So we've really grown our services to be more inclusive. So let's get that annual exam done. Let's get some baseline labs done. Let's figure out what's going on with that individual as a whole person because we know reproductive health impacts the individual as a whole, not just their reproductive health
1: organs. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate everything that you're doing for the for everyone that needs the services. Thank you. So, Well, I'll go ahead and I'll just start with some of the questions, and we'll just keep on going. Okay. Uh, so, can you share an example of a time you have advocated fiercely for yourself, another person, or a cause? I think right now, <laughs> since June 24th,
0: there's been some fierce advocation mm-hmm. um, through our organization. Um, that's when the Supreme Court issued their decision on Dobbs versus um a women's health clinic regarding abortion services. Health First does not provide abortions, we never have, but we believe in choice. We believe that individuals should be able to choose when, if and how they want to grow their families and that decision was taken away from individuals on June 24th. So we are working here locally but we're also doing some huge advocacy at the state and federal level of how do we ensure individuals continue to have access um, to the services that they need and they deserve. Um, one of the things that we're really trying to do is um, help individuals understand that this is an intimate decision between a healthcare provider and an individual. This isn't a political decision. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes much more beyond just abortion services. We've had so many issues and troubles with miscarriage management and ectopic pregnancy management and trying to advocate for those individuals for the care that they need. Um, So one of the things, when an individual is miscarrying or having a spontaneous abortion, the medications that are used to evacuate the remains of the fetus or the tissue that remains, they're the same uh, medications that are used for an induced abortion. So women that are miscarrying, have been asked to prove to their pharmacist that they're trying to get these medications, that they're actually having a miscarriage. And as a woman going through a a miscarriage, having to prove and bring in paperwork to say, yes, I'm going through one of the worst times trying to communicate as much as possible for individuals to understand how the 1849 law actually affects care in Wisconsin. But providers and systems, are providers, their biggest concern right now is their licensure and their life because there's so many threats against both of those. If they help an individual in so many different ways that a DA is gonna come and press charges against them. And we know most likely once it goes to the court system there's no legal standing for it. However, it takes the time, it takes the money and potentially their license and their job to get through that. And it's just one of those things that we're trying to help people understand what the decision actually has done to individuals in Wisconsin, not just the ones that are seeking abortion for whatever reason that may be, but those that are experiencing miscarriage and ecstatic pregnancy is a huge issue right now, especially in our area that they can get the care that they need without having to get to the point of choosing, okay, is this now considered life-threatening to the mother? because that's how the law is currently written. So we're doing a lot of advocacy around that. But the other thing that we've been working on since February, which is huge, is the formula shortage. Mm -hmm. So WIC WIC entities provide about 75% of infant formula in the United States. So if you look at Marathon County and the surrounding areas, we're providing 75% of the formula, and it's not necessarily us physically handing out the formula. We provide them an EBT card so that they can go to the grocery store or Walmart or wherever they want to go to get formula and there's no formula on the shelves Mm -hmm. so that's been a huge thing so one of the things that we did right away is we created a partnership with um an entity in milwaukee and we went down and got a thousand cans of the big formula and we were able to hand out free formula to our participants during that time when there was nothing on the shelf then we worked um, with united way and the community foundation and we brought in about 1500 more cans of the formula so we kind of were able to bridge that gap for a while to help individuals be able to receive formula, but now we're working on the larger advocacy side of things. Of formula starting to come back on the shelves, which is great. But how do we prevent this from happening again? So one of the things that we look at is um, back in 1989, 33 years ago, the federal government said that states have to contract with a single, single formula provider. That's created a monopoly. So all these smaller formula providers and manufacturers don't manufacture much because they know Wick is going to be almost the sole buyer mm-hmm. of those items. So we're looking at how do we advocate that we change some of these federal regulations so that states can contract with multiple formula providers so when and more likely if this happens again we don't get into this situation. I was trying to figure out how to feed babies because that was a huge crisis mm-hmm. for our, our families. They don't have the money to just go and buy formula to begin with and now what they were provided to by formula, with they couldn't because it just wasn't there,
1: right? Yeah, so it's very scary for the unknown for multiple parties. And you, you know, your organization has been really a, a foothold, I think, that people can come in and trust and know that you know there's someone there to help.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, we've been working hard on that. <laughs> it's
1: it's been a really trying year um, yeah.
0: for everything that we do. Uh, I think one of our major concerns that we're trying to provide advocacy around right now is um, contraception access. Mm -hmm. Because we know um, the Dobbs decision overturning Roe versus Wade was just the tip of an iceberg, and there's already been attempted attacks on birth control methods. And right now, we need to ensure that individuals can choose what if and how they want to grow those families. So, ensuring access is huge right now. Good. Good. Uh,
1: Let's see. Can you share an example of a time you brought another woman into a leadership position on a project or cause? And what did you learn from that experience?
0: So um, 75% of the leadership at Health First is women. It's all individuals that I've hired. Um, it's, we, in public health, we don't have a huge candidacy pool that is men. Um, so it's really looking at the females that are in the industry and who's going to help move things along. Mm-hmm. Um, the latest hire was Leanne Ashamher. She's our reproductive health service line manager. She is amazing. She's really moved things forward for our reproductive health clinics. Um, I think women in leadership is empowering. We hear a lot about that glass ceiling, and you know women are gonna hit that glass ceiling, but if you take down the glass ceiling, then there is someone to hit. So how do we continue to grow the individuals within our organization and the women in our communities, giving them options? I've been um, mentoring um, several different students across the state, whether it's Medical College of Wisconsin, they're working on a few different projects and helping, giving them projects for their physicians in the community. of their schooling that they have to do and just mentoring them through that and giving them projects and activities to do and things to study related to our organization and the community in general. We're working with um, UW Public Health Department out of Madison. We have a student that's actually working with our social worker. That was one of the um, biggest projects that I've recently given to a, another woman leader and we actually hired a female social worker we're really excited about that as we saw that as a gap in our services our providers are very busy which is great but we serve a lot of very complex individuals and they don't have time to make the 10 referrals that an individual need—clothing, um, getting hooked up with education or Medicaid, whatever that may be. They didn't have the capacity, so bringing a social worker on staff really has helped us to transition that from the provider's responsibility, but having an individual really integrated into the community and knowing all the resources to help bring individuals forward to be able to reach their goals.
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's, just, it's nice to see how everything kind of spider webs to be able to find those gaps and find, um, be able to uh, create a wholesome organization that the community really needs. Yeah, and it's, mentorships I love
0: because hopefully they're gonna practice, especially with the Medical College of Wisconsin, hopefully they're gonna practice in this community when they're done. And then they're gonna know the resources that are out there for the clients that they're gonna serve. And it really just builds that spider web of things that individuals are gonna need for resources and knowing where to send them. Versus someone who's just moving to the community, they're not gonna know those resources, but if we
1: can build from within, it's extremely important. Uh, Can you share an example of how you serve others in our community? Um, Yeah, so not necessarily
0: just here in Wausau, but on a larger aspect. I'm the president of the Wisconsin Family Planning Reproductive Health Association. I'm really involved in the Reproductive Health Task Force at the state level, the National Family Planning Reproductive Health Association. Um, I coach Little League. It's fun. The little guys, um, I always... say it's similar to herding cats to run at the same ball at the same time Um, so just being involved that way is important serving as the mentorships um, being part of impact 100 was one of the other things so just anything that I can do to Um, not only spread the word of what we do, but help bring other individuals forward and make them successful in their lives and their jobs. Um, Just give them, giving people a chance, I think is a huge thing um, that we sometimes have, maybe a lot of people need chances. So being able to give them those chances and being part of groups that help those individuals is really important to me. Yeah.
1: Well,
0: you're a force to be reckoned with. You know, it's really funny. Um, Brian, you actually probably have it over there. I was speaking, I was a keynote speaker yesterday, or two days ago at the Wisconsin STI Summit, and they have all of these fun little tags of what you could pick to have um, on here. So I actually... um, Something very near and dear to me is the J-1 visa population. Mm-hmm. They're the workers that come to like the Dells area. Check. And we've been working really closely with them because of the health inequities that they face and the lack of health care coverage that they have when they're here. They basically don't have anything. But when the time is here and they're here, things happen and they need help. Um, so we've been really helping with them. So I gave a presentation on that. And two of my colleagues um, from other areas in the state, they're like, oh, I think these ones really describe you. So. One of them was everybody's nightmare. Um, and that was one of my colleagues from uh, Eau Claire County. She's like, you really need that because when something needs to get done, we just ask you and it ends up getting done. Like nobody asks questions, it just <laughs> gets done. Um, but that's just because I'm really passionate about what we do and how we move forward. And the other one was, this should have used a glue stick, not chapstick. Um, because, you know, sometimes people like to bite their tongues, but I'm not one of those. If something needs to be said, we need to say it and have that conversation. Um, The abortion conversation is one of those things people don't like to talk about. It makes people feel uncomfortable, and I understand that. However, it's a conversation of we need to understand what the actual impact of those laws are, not just on um, induced abortions, but all of these other things that is trickling down to, and when we're thinking of maternal mortality, individuals um, just really having some of those frank conversations have to happen so that there's a broader understanding of what the impact is.
1: Do you share an example of how you've acted courageously? I think. Um, I know it's uh, probably a daily. You know, yeah. it's
0: really difficult. Um, we have protesters all of the time. We don't provide abortions, we provide contraception. by having those conversations with them um, in, uh, in uh, the previous life of Family Planning Health Services, they didn't have those conversations, but it takes a lot of courage to go out there and what don't you agree with and then explaining well this is what we actually do and how we do it and having those conversations whether they're going to leave or not is something completely different because they're not going to leave um but having those conversations is just so important and it takes courage to go and have those conversations it takes courage to go and stand in front of a group of 200 people and talk about what's happening to the J-1 individuals that are coming over here when I know the corporations in Wisconsin Dallas are probably, shut your mouth, please. We don't want anyone to know this because this is our bread and butter. This is how we keep our businesses growing, which is good, but if you don't have a healthy workforce, you don't have a workforce either. So having those really critical conversations, um, it takes courage, but it's one of those things that I don't back down to. I think if you ask any of my team members, whether it's one of our clinic assistants or someone on the leadership team, uh, I'm pretty feisty and I don't back down too much because it, we're really working on how do we impact individuals and how
1: do we make the most for everyone. Yeah. And I think I think the base foundation of how I'm understanding you, because I've never met you before and I'm very happy to know <laughs> you, um, is it's all about education. Education. Yeah. Education. It's really interesting. Um, last
0: Thursday, we were we're working on figuring out what marketing firm we're going to use next year. We went out for RFP. We have all of these people, and we're talking, and we're sitting on the hall, and Jerry's like, "You know, we need to write a blog. You have a lot to say, and nobody gets to hear it." And I'm like, "You know, that's a really interesting concept. Little did you know that I love writing." <laughs> so. We are actually going to be launching the blog um, next week, and I have our first three posts, but the one I actually wrote this morning was around education. Mm-hmm. We need to educate on what is actually happening, what is the impact of all of the decisions, what's happening. So one of the big things is around STI. So we are at an STI summit for the last two days. STIs are through the roof, but it's because we haven't educated and we don't want to have the conversation that humans are sexual beings. It is what it is. We don't have the conversations, we don't normalize that conversation. Mm-hmm. It makes huge stigma for individuals to actually come and get tested. So they continue to partake in their sexual activity without getting tested, and now we are in an epidemic with STI rates through the roof. We're seeing the highest congenital syphilis cases we ever have in the state of Wisconsin. After about 10 years ago, when there was like nothing, it was great, but we don't normalize the conversations. We don't have the education. Um, part of the blog, if you guys ever wanna read it, um, is going to be about Educating our youth because statistics show that kids start talking about sex at nine years of age
1: mm-hmm.
0: On the playground I, When I was nine on the playground, I was not an expert in that sex
1: Yeah, and there's so many things that are more accessible
0: Right now. when you start looking at the internet There's none of the blocks of what they're looking and what they're googling So the conversations that they're having are highly highly inaccurate. Mm-hmm. They're not the truth But no one is providing the actual education of what's going on. I mean we hard enough to get them to use correct um, anatomy names um, which is really important for individuals to know the correct anatomy um, but we don't do that education so we do a lot of education um, whether it's in schools for reproductive health whether it's going out into the community to talk about WIC and nutrition and all of that one of the things I love about the WIC program compared to SNAP benefits which is the same as food stamps is if you are on WIC you have to go for nutrition education to have the benefit, but it also only provides healthy foods. So you have to meet, all the foods that we provide meet USDA standards for a healthy diet, versus if you're on the SNAP program, you can go get soda or chips or pizza, which are convenience foods for individuals who don't know about healthy foods and the benefits of healthy foods and stuff like that. So I'm not gonna discredit that, but if we can insert education into it, we just become a healthier community that way.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I guess the last question on the list, uh, can you share an example of a time you brought another woman into a leadership position on a project or a cause? I think we actually read that one already, huh? We did. Yeah. Well, we did. that was the last question then. <laughs> um, but I, it, was a, it was really just a great opportunity for me to meet you today. Um, if it wasn't for, you know, doing the interview. I don't know if I would have met you, you know, in yeah. any time in the near future, but I really appreciate everything you're doing for the community.
0: This podcast
1: episode is a production of the Greater Wausau Chamber of Commerce.